Today in the Windsor Star, there was an article discussing whether or not suffering has a redemptive quality to it. Uh, unfortunately, from the view of the author, it actually has no redeeming quality whatsoever. This isn't just an issue of faith, although it certainly is deeply embedded into a Christian theology that suffering has an incredible redeeming quality to it. But oftentimes when we get tunnel vision with suffering, the suffering that we see in others or suffering that we see even in ourselves, um, we begin to fall into despair. And so we enter into this place of fear and anxiety where we only feel as if the true uh, relief from this suffering is not to go through it, but to escape from it. And so we see a lot of escape hatches building up in our spiritual lives uh, today, Uh, escape with alcohol, with addictions, with drugs, with pornography. But in this escape culture, there's the ultimate escape, which is suicide. And suicide committed by teens, committed by Uh, young adults, uh, university students, and of course also those who are preparing for death in their late age or those who are uh, suffering a terminal illness. And so these suicides or uh, the euphemistic terminology that we might use, uh, mercy killings or euthanasia, um, they're all escape hatches from suffering. And basically the assumption, the reason why people try to escape suffering is because they believe that it's it's too difficult to bear and ultimately it's completely useless there's no value um, that it's adding to anyone's lives interestingly enough thomas merton talks about two different types of suffering and i think it's important to have these two different categories going on in our mind uh, to be objective he talks about one being a useless suffering, that's the suffering we've already talked about, the, the sense of turning in on ourselves, uh, filled with despair, anxiety, um, and uh, and being basically um, in darkness, in tunnel vision, where all we can see is the pain, but we can't actually use it uh, to grow deeper in love with our neighbor and with our God. And the second type of suffering is meaningful suffering. And Thomas Merton essentially said that that these these experiences of suffering, whether they're useful or they're meaningful, depend on the person's disposition, the person's uh, attitude, and on their will, where it's oriented. It may help uh, to understand the useful or meaningful suffering through discussing the etymology of the term compassion. Compassion is two words put together, calm meaning with and passion meaning suffering. And so without suffering, compassion is impossible. In my experience in my own life, people have reached out to me and been incredibly compassionate when I was suffering um, great uh, darkness and great spiritual anxiety. And that, that suffering... Uh, turned into an encounter with God's divine love, with love mediated through another human being. That redeemed the whole reality of suffering because instead of turning it into a hopeless place, it became rather a place to meet 
love and really at the end of the day there's nothing more important than love anyone who denies that probably just doesn't understand what love is perhaps haven't experienced it to the depth that they could perhaps they only understand it to be an emotion one spiritual encounter i had with christ in compassion was after the loss of a friend of mine who drowned i was very angry and uh, upset not necessarily at anyone in particular but just angry and frustrated at the situation and of course i wasn't praying as much as i should because i knew that would mean i'd have to let go of that anger and i didn't want to um and so the anger and the frustration kind of prevented me from allowing myself to mourn the loss of my friend kind of to hold on to a sense of um desire for what happened to not have actually happened anyways um i was a seminarian at the time and i went down to the chapel to pray knowing that this was where i needed to be and the rector who's now bishop mcgratton in the diocese of toronto he asked me what i was up to and i said well i'm going to go talk to the lord and i said it in a very blunt way and he saw right through it and he said to me why don't you stop talking to God and why don't you start listening? And that was like a dagger into my into my heart, but I knew he was right. Um, so I couldn't argue, but what it did do is it certainly stirred up my frustration and anger even more. So I went to the chapel and I knelt down and I began praying. When I began praying, I closed my eyes and I, with all the passion Um, the sadness, the anger and frustration going on in my heart. I said to God, all right, God, I'm here. I'm listening. What do you got to say to me? And sometimes God speaks to me by inspiring my imagination. So this image of myself on the ground, just looking at the ground, um, kind of on the ground myself, tired, exhausted, and could see blood dripping down. So there was a sense of torture in my own life. And I just couldn't look at anything else. So I had this this tunnel vision with my suffering. And I got this sense that there was someone right beside me. Kind of like that feeling you get when someone's hovering from behind you. But it the curiosity overcame me and I decided to look to my left. And what I saw was the face of Jesus and in that face, it wasn't, there wasn't a sent, sentimentality to it. It was very down to earth. And when I looked at Christ, all I saw was everything that was on my own heart, on his face. He was angry. He was frustrated. He was sad. But it wasn't as if it was his own baggage that he was carrying, but rather mine. He looked into my heart and he saw what was bothering me. And because it bothered me, it bothered him. This was a profound encounter for me because it actually gave me peace. It didn't change the fact that my friend died, didn't undo any of that. What it taught me was that I didn't have to carry that burden alone. You know, this is a powerful, powerful encounter that enabled me to learn how to serve other people. 
we're not saying that suffering is something that we should run towards um, out of this false kind of spirituality of thinking that just because we suffer, we're doing God's will. That's not always the case. But in suffering, if it, if it be the cross that we carry, what it does is it becomes a means of genuine love for others. Why do I say genuine love? Isn't, isn't love when people are comfortable genuine? Well, it can be, but it's difficult to know. Only when we are suffering great trials and only when we are tempted to turn in on ourselves but we choose not to, is love proven genuine. You know, it's, it's much like Jesus says in loving our enemies. It's easy to love a person who loves us because there's a back and forth there. There's a sense that I'll love, that, I'll love this person and this person will love me. However, that could be a superficial relationship. What happens when the other doesn't love you? Everything gets thrown out the window. But when we love our enemy, the person who will give us nothing for what we give them, it proves that we actually care about them. It proves that we're actually willing to lay our lives down for them out of no concern for ourselves. It's, it's as selfless as we can possibly get. And so this is where genuine love is proven and suffering is um, an opportunity to express that to others. The other opportunity for us to look at suffering is to think of um, the spiritual reality where we can offer our suffering up for the salvation of souls. We go back to the cross. The cross itself, which many Christians wear around their, their neck and place in their homes, um, the crucifix in all Catholic churches that should be there. These are kind of strange um, to hang up as an identifying symbol, an identifying symbol of what it means to be Christian, because this is what the world used to desecrate and to shame and to murder God in the flesh. Why would we use a cross? Why is it viewed as a good thing? If we look at it historically, we know that the Roman Empire used the crucifixion as a means of coercion and control. If you don't do what we tell you, we will crucify you. Not only will we crucify you, we'll put you on a hill so that everyone else can see what we've done to you. We'll humiliate you and make you die a torturous death. And yet we as Christians hold the cross of Christ, as St. Paul would say, we boast of the cross of Christ. Why? Well, because Christ took what was the most evil, vile thing at the time in the world, humans, a human being's invention, and he took it and he changed it into a sign of love and forgiveness. If the cross can be redeemed, so can our suffering. Now, of course, if we're an atheist and if we really don't believe um, that love is anything more than an emotion rather than a choice, then our whole existence is meaningless. And so suffering would 
also be meaningless within that. But I don't entirely agree with that. I, th- I, I think that there's some virtue just in the human relationships that we have, just in the natural world, where we can recognize that a person's presence among us, no matter what trials they're facing, no matter what suffering they encounter, is a blessing. And it's an opportunity for us to grow in love. Unfortunately, when we go towards people who are suffering inside our own spirit, we can feel uncomfortable. And this is natural and normal. But we need to learn to to grow up a bit and to mature and realize that that uncomfortable feeling is the beginning of what compassion is all about. We are beginning to suffer with that other person. And if we do it willfully and willingly for them, um, this can be one of the greatest gifts that makes that time, that very, very important last moments of their life, filled with a sense of love. But if we kill them, if we order their death, or if we quote-unquote respect their autonomy to escape reality, to escape the suffering, what we're really doing is we're endorsing um, the neglect of who they are and what they have to offer us. And we're saying that their time with us is not that important. And this is ultimately to insult that person, even if they don't understand that. And so it's an opportunity for us as Christians, especially in Canada, to really reflect on that redemptive reality of suffering. Um, Unfortunately, for those who don't see any value in it, there's really a superficial sense of the human experience there. And I would recommend to those individuals to, to learn how to spend time with those who suffer and to be present to them. And maybe even to allow other people into your lives to be present to your own suffering. And then to grow an appreciation of that, to be vulnerable enough to do that. And so we'll end with an Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.